Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Well, it may be time for Tim, but you better call Paul. Because Paul is filling in this morning. Paul Santos at WBSM, New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 AM and 99.5 FM. Great to be here this morning. And one of the things I got to experience when I first came into the studio was the smiling face of your news guy, the guy with those smooth tones. Phil Devitt. Phil, nice to meet you this morning. There you go. Now you're on. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute. Hello, are you there? <laughs> all right, all right. There I, there I did. I thought I was doing something great, and I, I can't get this. I'm hitting it. Try one more time. Are you there? Nope, he's not there. Okay, so we'll have to chat with him in just a few moments. See, I was bragging about the fact that he has these, uh, these great pipes and this great voice and this great sound, and I'm like, I want to chat with you on the air, and now I'm hitting the, I'm hitting the button that says news, and I'm turning the volume up. And I'm getting nothing. I'm getting dead silence, you know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we'll try to fix that in just a few moments as we proceed along. But anyway, you can join the discussion. We were talking about education, and we were talking about your experiences with education. What do you think about the subjects that we've been talking about this morning? Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hey, good morning, Paul. Uh, hi, how are you today? Not bad, i got to tell you, though, uh, for... Uh when the newsman decides to grow up and get a decent paying job, I'm, I'm right there available to uh, not really fill his full footsteps, but I'll try. <laughs> okay. He's good. No, he's good. He, uh, Phil Devitt. Yeah, he's smooth. I'm not related. He's I smooth. Have, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He's so got a he's great got, voice. He's got and... delivery. Mm, he's, no, he's got delivery. No, he re- I always I always say that when I hear him. I'm like, what the hell are you doing on WBSM? But that's what he does. We appreciate it. Do you have any thoughts about what I was talking about today so far, or did you have something else on your mind? I I, I heard the ABC uh, lead, and uh, what was the clip they were playing? Was that uh, was it? Was, they were talking. Was that the UAW? Yes. Rally. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's an impressive political stunt, mm-hmm. but it's not going to carry with the people. It's kind of a joke. I I think. Uh, well, yeah, you know, I, 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 I think it's a real joke, to be honest with you. Well, whether it's the UAW or whatever, you know, um, employment that we're talking about, it does feel like the worker, you know, we talk about the workers being lazy and they don't want to do this and they don't want to do that. Um, I remember like after World War II and my father's generation, uh, the unions worked closely with the employers and you see a, a lot of the 
the companies they that were, were here. They were pretty closely with the Democrats too. Do you remember? Uh, well, yeah, the blue, the, the blue uh, collar, the blue collar Democrats. Speaker, you, you remember the Speaker of the House, uh, South Boston? There, oh, Tip uh, O'Neill, McCormick. No, McCormick. Okay, before that, that right? Tip O'Neill was McCormick after that. Was, McCormick was so uh, unioned up, and uh, the the uh, the Teamsters. Listen, these are. These are your old-time Democrats, not the current ones. But those guys weren't that nice either. All right, they uh, well because they the worker out, they the... carved they well they carved out their piece of the pie, mm-hmm. and they went after it. And they really would never ever for the worker. They were for the union bosses. All right. Yeah, but they got a lot of benefits for the workers though too, didn't they? You know, the forty-hour work think, week. I think, and... the, I think the capitalist system had to compete for workers. Well, there's no so, question about that. Although the union, the, well, the union was pushing for it, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. The union's real bottom line was taking care of the union. The uh, the ca- our, our capitalist economy had to compete for workers, so all, all sorts of things came in, like uh, free health care, right? And then the uh, and the unions helped uh, make that a tax-free benefit. If you remember that. Uh, companies can write off 100 percent of their health care benefits that they pay to the workers. Hey, we appreciate that was a the long, call. Long, long time ago. I yep, got to keep things Paul. moving because otherwise, I give I fall behind with the commercials. But thank you very much for your contribution. Good morning. You're next. Hi, hi, Paul. Hi. I just I just heard you on the phone. I remember I went to school with you, so that's that. I just had to call and say hi. I went to. Uh, Went to SMU, which is now UMass Thomas. I remember you from all those years ago. So, no kidding. Uh, can you say your name if you don't mind? Uh, my name is uh, Tim. Okay. All right. I remember you. I remember you more specifically. I remember you from the reading and writing center. Oh yes, yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah, reading, I did do that. Yeah, reading writing center. Yeah, you were one of my tutors. English tutors, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's right. I forgot about that. When I was in college at UMass Dartmouth, it was SMU at the time, they had a program where you could try to tutor other kids and stuff like that. Just, you know, if you had in a particular area that you could be helpful. And, yeah, I enjoyed doing that. I went to the Reading and Writing Center, and, uh, yeah, I dealt with some kids and stuff like that. In fact, there was a kid that was from Russia that was there at that time. Wow. Yeah, so that yeah, was... That's pretty interesting. Yes. Well, thank you very much for calling and saying hello. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening. Okay. Okay, thanks. All right. It's uh, 508-996-0500. The thing we were talking about this morning was the fact that they hired a superintendent from within that came up through the system, Andrew O'Leary. Now, I don't know Andrew O'Leary, but I can tell you he seems to have a very good reputation. He seems to be somebody that came up through the ranks. And he is now made superintendent. And I got to tell you, that is a good thing. I am so tired of bringing these people in from out of town. Of course, the poster child for a disaster with a capital D was Pierre Durkin. And I went to a school committee meeting one time only because I was supporting my wife and they were dealing with an issue. And Pierre Durkin came marching in. She wouldn't give anybody the time of the day. She'd just come right in and dead, 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 dead. And what, what a, what a. What an absolute disaster. And then what do they do? They went and gave her another three years after, you know, they could tell that she was a disaster. But rather than admit that they made a mistake, oh, we can't admit that we made a mistake. This is one area where I disagree with John Mitchell. And I know John. I would, John and I, we've talked about it. You know, and he understands that I disagree with him on that. 
just won't admit I made a mistake. Let's get rid of this whack job and get somebody else. So finally, finally, thank God, we've got somebody that came up through the ranks. And I look back, Mike Longo, right? Teacher. He was a history teacher when I was in school. Then became housemaster at the high school. Then became principal, headmaster. Then he became superintendent. I mean, this was a guy that like, boy, you respected this guy. And by the way, he was from the old school, I show you respect, but you show me respect. I earn your respect, uh, but yet I'm still going to kind of lead in that fashion. But then, yes, as that caller pointed out, it's not all about banging the stick, but I don't care about you. It has to be, I'm strict, but I care about you. So there's a big difference there. And that caller, uh, Mr. Parada, that called up from Dartmouth, same thing. You know, sparking a kid's interest, getting a kid's interest in something. You know, my dad was a teacher and he became a probation officer. And my dad was a popular teacher, not because he would tell me that he was a popular teacher, which he would let that leak out every once in a while. He'd say, yeah, I was a popular teacher. But then I'd go out in the community and a lot of people would say, hey, you know, I had your dad in school. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was the coolest guy. He was strict, but he was fair, and he loved his kids, and the kids loved him. And and when dad became a probation officer, he became a probation officer because it was a good career choice. And at that particular time, raising a small family, the money was better in that field than it was in teaching at the time. And he became a probation officer. But I got to tell you, I remember him telling me that he missed teaching. He missed it. He loved it. And... As Mr. Parada pointed out from Dartmouth, you know, you have an opportunity to mold a young life. And, you know, not only was my dad a great teacher, my wife was a great teacher. You know, I know that, too, because my wife has been retired. We're walking around in Target or walking around in the community and people will come up and say, oh, Mr. Santos, Mr. Santos. And, you know, the kid's now an adult or the kid's a teenager or the kid is whatever age they are. And. You know, they always say something kind to my wife, and that's a wonderful thing. You know, and regardless of what what profession you have. Now, we in the lawyer profession, nobody really pats us on the back too often. <laughs> but I can give you an example. It is rewarding when you do a good job and you try to work hard for somebody. I remember one time, a long time back, you know, I take care and protection appointments in the New Bedford Juvenile Court. And, you know, I can go, I do a whole show on, you know, that whole system because that whole system needs to be revamped. But what happened was a kid was taken away from the mother and uh, forget what the reasons were at the time. Sometimes it could be, you know, there's a stepfather around that shouldn't be or whatever it was. And a lot of times it's substance abuse. But whatever it was, I went in there and I fought tooth and nail. And anybody who knows me from juvenile court, (laughs) they know that I will fight tooth and nail uh, for a client. And uh, a lot of times I I go into... um, you know, what I call going between the lines. It's sort of like when you're when you're on the pitcher's mound. Remember Pedro Martinez? He was a great, fun-loving guy in the dugout. But then we got on the mound. He was like an assassin. When I go into court, I, I stay within the rules. I don't go outside the rules. But I advocate very strenuously for my side. Well, I had a mother, and I remember it was right before Thanksgiving. She just wanted to get that child home for Thanksgiving. And on the day before Thanksgiving, everybody wanted to get out of there. And I fought and fought and fought to finish that hearing. And there we were, till all, you know, the court stayed open late to finish that hearing, thanks to Judge Borders, who I thought was my favorite judge of all time. And at the conclusion of that hearing, the judge gave custody to that mother. And then I just, I felt so good. I went home, I went home to my family on Thanksgiving, and I just felt so good that I was able to help this person. And then like 10 years later, or 15 years later, 
I don't remember what she looks like. I don't remember what her name is, you know, because I handled, you know, thousands of cases. But she came up to me and said, do you remember me? And I said, gee, I'm, no, I'm sorry, I'm not. And then she described the situation and how much it meant to her that somebody would fight for her in that fashion, even though it was a court-appointed case and so on and so forth. So I wasn't doing that for the money, that's for sure. Although the money's a little bit better with the court-appointed stuff. But, you know, I was doing it because I enjoy it and for the love of fighting for somebody that's down and out. And sometimes I'm the only person that stands in between this person and a big, powerful government system. So for that person to say, boy, I, I thank you so much, you fought for me. And then another time I was in housing court and somebody came up and said the same thing, that you fought for me. And I said, well, how old's your kid now? Well, the kid's 20 years old, blah, blah, blah. So every once in a while you get that that little rewarding thing. I don't think we get it as often as the teachers, but uh, we get it here and there. And when we do, it's very, very nice to hear. I think everybody enjoys that. So again, as Mr. Parada said, if you can spark an interest and help somebody out and connect with that person, that's part of it too, in terms of education. And of course, discipline is one part of it. The curriculum is one part of it. Being a great teacher, reaching out, the love of the kid is important. So I want to hear from educators out there because I'm not an educator, so I want to learn from you, too. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Well, uh, Pia Durkin, uh, Pia, last time I heard it was Pia, was Pia Zadori, the actress or whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> when she came in, they, to me, what they wanted to do was to drive some of the longtime teachers out of the system. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what they succeeded in doing, and that way they could get their uh, budget down. Okay, so that was the reason why she was brought in. And any time you bring in somebody like that from the outside and she hangs around so long and upsets everything, that was the, the re reason. Okay. Well, sometimes it's a good thing to have somebody come in and ruffle feathers, but I got to tell you, from the people that I talk to, from the principals that all quit, from the teachers that yeah. left the system and all yeah. that, it was too yeah. much. It was too much the other way, you know. You well, can come again, in and lead, but not lead like a crackpot, too, you know. Well, well again, I, I, you've got to blame your school committee. And whoever was the mayor at that time, was it uh, Mayor Mitchell or was it Scott Lang? No, or? it was Mitchell, actually. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, they wanted to push people out of the system because they had a high salary uh, system, teachers that have been around for a long time. Teachers who would probably form relationships with a lot of kids and maybe even the parents of those kids they've been around so long. And so that way they get people out and they have somebody new and they come in at bottom salary step. And uh, that's the whole reason for doing that. You know, yeah, why would you bring in somebody that's going to, you know, create so much, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the disorder, you know, uh, and that, that, that's 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 what they do it for. It's like, uh, you know. What can, what can I say? So you do know? you like the idea of promoting from within like absolutely, I do? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Okay, you good. talked about Mike Longo, and uh, he's a good example of somebody who knew the system from the bottom up. Before that was Connie Nanopoulos, who also was a Harvard graduate, started as a teacher down at Roosevelt, knew the system from the bottom up. That's the type of people that I think you want uh, because uh, they know the nuts and bolts of the whole thing. Not somebody who's been a, uh, an administrator basically all their life and not spend very much time in the classroom. And, uh, you know, uh, to me, that's that's the best way to go. You know? All right. Thank you very uh, much for the call. If you bring somebody from the outside, uh, that if they've come up through the through the ranks and know a school system from the bottom up, you know, that, that, that that's, you know. But uh, that, that was the reason for Peter Durkin. Uh, they wanted to uh, kick butt and take names and throw everybody out and hire people at a lower level. All right, thank you for All your right, perspective. Paul. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, All right, I know that...
probably the people who made the decision would have a different point of view on that, that that was not the reason, and maybe there were other reasons too. So I want to make clear that sometimes there's other points of view, but that caller feels that that is part of the reason. I just know that that was not a good appointment, and I'm so glad now that we've moved on from that. Tom Anderson was a big improvement, although he came from another area, and I knew he wasn't going to stay either. seemed like a good gentleman. I interviewed him when he first came in, and again, he seemed like a, a good pick in terms of who he was and what he brought to the table. But again, he wasn't from here, and I, he came here, he stayed here for a while, and now he's back wherever he was. You know, he's just, you know, bouncing around, making money, and good for him and good for his family. But he's not a New Bedford guy, and I think that if somebody works their way up the ranks, that they should be given priority and they should really be promoted from within, whether it's the police, whether it's the fire, whether it's, you know, judges, more local judges are being appointed down in, you know, district court and juvenile court. It never used to be that way. They used to get, you know, so-and-so's buddy from Boston, we get appointed and they send them down to New Bedford. Now we're getting more local people. So I think it's good in all fields that you appoint from within. What do you think? 508-996-0500. Paul Santos in for Tim on New Bedford's new stock station, 1420 WBSM. Good morning. It's Paul Santos filling in for Tim Weisberg. Glad to be with you this morning. I made a point not to fall behind on the commercial breaks like I did the first hour. So I believe I am back on track. If you'd like to get in on the discussion, we're talking about the fact that they picked the superintendent of the New Bedford Public Schools from within. Rather than going around and hiring a Porsche Bonner or a Pia Durkin, you know, we go back to the old Mike Longo, Dr. Joe Silva, Constantine Monopolis, people like that that came up the ranks. I am in favor of that. What do you think about that? And by the way, I did want to mention that as a feel-good story here, The Holdovers, which was filmed at the James and Sarah, excuse me, Sarah Arnold Mansion and Fairhaven High School, all of those locations, was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Motion Picture, Best Actor, and Best Supporting Actress on Tuesday. Isn't that great that we actually have a film that was filmed down here in the New Bedford Fairhaven area that was nominated for five different Academy Awards? That means five chances to win an Oscar. And wouldn't that be great if that film won an Oscar that was filmed right here in the local area. How about that? And by the way, I don't know if you have a chance to see Finest Kind. Finest Kind was directed by Brian Hedgeland, who graduated in the late 70s of New Bedford High School. He was big in the theater. He went on to become a big-time director. He shot that film here in New Bedford. I believe it's on Paramount, so you have to sign up for Paramount, but it's relatively cheap. And in fact, they have a free, you know, service there. You go on for a week or something like that. You can test it out. But we saw it, right? That film, the entire thing was filmed here in New Bedford. And there were these great aerial shots of the city and the fishing boats. And the fishing boat leaves the harbor and goes right by the hurricane dike and everything else. So it's always great to see where, you know, you have a local film like that that's produced here like Finest Kind. And now the Holdovers nominated for all these different Academy Awards. Five different Oscar nominations. Just phenomenal. We're on the subject of schools and, as I said, Andrew O'Leary being appointed as the superintendent. The other thing that kind of fits in a little bit with this is the question of school choice. You know, that was discussed, I believe, in Dartmouth, right? The Dartmouth School Committee made a decision to remain a school choice district for the next academic year, according to an article written by Matthew Ferreira at the New Bedford Standard Times. But it's been all over the news, New Bedford Light and so forth. And 
the question is whether or not the out-of-community students are putting a financial burden on the district that receives the student. That is a misconception, according to the article. The motion that was made by school committee member Dr. Shannon Jenkins at the meeting Monday night passed 4-1 to one and authorized the opening of a school choice slot at a level similar to what we've had done in the previous year at the direction of the administrative team. Superintendent Saba McGuire said on Tuesday that her administration plans to open approximately 30 new slots all at the high school, with most applicants being freshmen. This is not different than last year, she says. As explained on the Massachusetts Department of Education website, the state's inter-district school choice program under Mass General Law Chapter 76, Section 12B allows families to enroll their children in schools in communities other than the city or town in which they reside. Tuition is paid by the sending district to the receiving district. So that's important to note. And during the discussion, I believe it was one school committee member was opposed to it, which I believe that particular member, John Noons, said that he would always vote no on school choice and that we would proceed from there. I think there's a school of thought that, okay, you move to Dartmouth, you live in Dartmouth, you go to the Dartmouth schools. Uh, The other school of thought is, well, if you live in New Bedford and you think that your kid is a better fit at Dartmouth or some other school should be able to do that, right? So that's the choice there. But I got to tell you, I got to notice something in sports, right? Because people know me as a sportscaster. I'm starting to notice that, you know, I'm doing a game and all of a sudden I see a team, say like a basketball team. And I'm thinking, wow, that basketball team, if they, they just don't have enough height. You know, if they had a little bit of height, they could probably go to the state championship. And then all of a sudden I look and there's like a kid that's six feet ten. And I'm like, gee, where did he come from? Well, he came from Timbuktu. I'm like, oh, oh, here we go. All right. Uh, I get that, right? So if you're the coach of um, Team A and uh, there's a kid in, uh, you know, that's from down the Cape or out of town or whatever. Oh, school choice. Yeah, yo, come down here. School choice. Uh it's kind of an incentive there. And, I, I, you know, would I do it if I was the coach? I probably would. I'd be like, hey, uh, Jimmy, six foot ten, can play the low post. Hey, how about if you come down and, uh, and uh, come to this school? You know, we can give you a good education. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what happened in the NCAA where, you know, are people really getting educated? Or, you know, if you can hit the three-point shot, you know, we're going to pass you in algebra. So, uh, you know, that that whole thing can also happen. You have uh, an incentive that you don't want to have. Well, anyway, we're at the bottom of the hour. Time for our news break. We turn things over to newsman Phil Devitt right here at New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM. Now, the biggest stories on the South Coast from the WBSM Newsroom. This is WBSM News. President Biden will be in Wisconsin today to promote the billions being spent on infrastructure in the U.S. The White House says the president will give a speech on how Bidenomics and his investing in America agenda are, quote, rebuilding our infrastructure, lowering costs, spurring a small business boom, and creating good-paying jobs. Biden will deliver remarks in Superior, where a major bridge construction project has received roughly a billion dollars from the Department of Transportation. Boeing is ordering a one-day quality stand-down today at one of its factories in Washington as concerns over safety mount. A number of U.S. senators met with the CEO of Boeing Wednesday, including Alaska Republican Dan Sullivan. Boeing CEO says he takes full responsibility for this. They are working with the NTSB, FAA, to make sure these 
aircraft will be 100% safe. The move is just the first of many stand-downs planned at the aircraft maker's factories. It comes after a number of safety incidents, including a panel blowing off a 737 MAX 9 mid-flight earlier this month. That model has been grounded by the FAA until they can all be inspected. The workers at the plant will get together to work on quality issues and come up with concrete plans. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton says he's moving forward with a lawsuit to prevent federal officials from cutting the state's razor wire barriers. The wire barriers were placed on the border near Eagle Pass as part of Governor Greg Abbott's Operation Lone Star. The fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals last month barred federal agents from removing the wire. The U.S. Supreme Court set aside that decision Monday, sending the case back to the Fifth Circuit Court in New Orleans. NASA will pay tribute today to those who lost their lives while furthering the cause of space exploration and discovery. The annual Day of Remembrance Ceremony will take place at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex Space Mirror Memorial. NASA will commemorate the crews of Apollo 1 and Space Shuttle's Challenger in Columbia. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson says while it's a solemn day, we should be forever thankful that those fallen heroes shared their spirit of exploration with NASA, the country, and the world. And a singer from the Woodstock era has passed away. Melanie, as she went by, became famous after appearing at the iconic music festival in 1969 and wrote the hit song Lay Down, Candles in the Rain about the experience. She also had a number one hit in 1971 with the song Brand New Key and wrote the 1970 hit Look What They've Done to My Song. On Wednesday, her children posted on Facebook that Melanie Safka died Tuesday at age 76. No details of her death were given. Turning now to Massachusetts, state lawmakers considering whether to seek a receivership for Stewart Healthcare as it deals with a financial crisis. And a cash reward is being offered for info leading to the arrest of a Fall River murder suspect. 26-year-old Tejon Saxon is wanted in the shooting death of Diamante Odom in 2023. Time now for WBSM Sports brought to you by Sparks Auto in Dartmouth. The Boston Bruins lost to the Carolina Hurricanes 3-2. Next up a game with the Ottawa Senators tonight at 7. And the Boston Celtics play the Miami Heat tonight at 7.30. Now your ABC6 forecast. A rainy morning. A break ahead, but those clouds will remain. A high of 51 today and a low of 37. Deja vu likely Friday morning. More rain in the forecast. A high of 44 degrees and looking cloudy with temps in the 40s for the weekend. This WBSM News Update brought to you by Sparks Auto Dartmouth, home of the $29 oil change. Your choice for auto repairs, brakes, and inspection stickers. Sparks Auto, 425 State Road, Dartmouth. I'm Phil Devitt for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM. WBSM and get all of our content and breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. All right, Paul Santos filling in for Tim Weisberg this morning on 1420 WBSM 99.5 FM. If you'd like to join the discussion this morning, you know how to do that. 508-996-0500. As far as the weather goes, we get some good news and we get some bad news. The bad news is, is it's going to rain pretty much today and tomorrow. That's the bad news. The good news is we're going to see 50 degrees. So I don't know what's worse. I think I'd rather have it sunny and 30 or even sunny and 25 than rainy and 50. But if it's going to rain and it goes up to 50, well, that kind of helps a little bit. So that's really good. And I pointed out, remember that winter that we had, like I'd say 10 years ago? It didn't snow until February. Just like now, it's January 25th and we've only had a dusting of snow. We're not out of the woods yet. Right? That year, I think it was either 2013 or 2015, whatever it was, we got all the way to January 29th with no appreciable snow. And then all of a sudden in February, 
I think it was four or five Mondays in a row. Bang, 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 five blizzards in a row. And we were like, what is going on here? We just got in that weather pattern like, I don't know, like a circle. Like when you're on the internet and that round thing keeps going around, the circle of death. And we get into one of those weather patterns where we just kept going around and round and round. And we couldn't get out of it. And that happened. So just because it's January 25th and we haven't really had much and it's been a soft winter and we've had quite a few soft winters in a row, don't think that you can give that a lot of weight. You can take that and throw it out. We're talking about schools this morning. I thought it was a good local issue. The recent appointment of Andrew O'Leary as the superintendent of the New Bedford Public Schools. I don't know Mr. O'Leary. I hear good things about him. But here's the thing I like about him the most. What I like about him the most is they promoted from within. Isn't it about time that we promoted from within? Is there anybody out there that thinks it's a good idea to find somebody from out of town? Because there is a school of thought that goes that, well, sometimes people get too comfortable and, you know, there's a lot of inner workings and there's a lot of patronage and there's a lot of this and that. And, you know, you bring somebody from outside and there's a fresh set of eyes on the situation and maybe they can bring something to the table that somebody that came through the ranks can't. Maybe somebody that came up through the ranks are kind of set in their ways and, you know, you need a fresh set of eyes. Well, that's all well and good. But I think that that is outflanked by the fact that the person who came up from within knows their stuff and knows their system. I got to tell you, I don't think my wife minds me saying, but when she was a school teacher, right, towards the end of her, her career, she taught for over 30 years, kind of like I'm an attorney for over 30 years. And people would come into the room. And, you know, she'd be teaching a class and there'd be like three or four people with clipboards, like watching her and what she's going to say and how she, you know, teaching the kids. And did she connect this box and did she connect that box? I'm like, who are these people? Are they like experts? She goes, yeah, they're all about 30 years old. <laughs> like what? I said, can you imagine, can you imagine like the person, the average person out there, I could have been practicing for 30 years. Now I could learn actually 35 years now. I could learn things absolutely about cross-examination, about upkeep of the law, the latest laws that were passed. I'm always open to learning. That's what keeps you sharp. That's what keeps you going. Even Tom Brady was like, hey, I just keep learning and I keep working and I keep studying film and I never stop trying to get better, right? So anybody with that kind of mindset, that's how you have success. But it is a little bit irritating to be doing something for 30 years and really work hard at it and do it in a fashion that you think you do it pretty well and then you have somebody coming in with three years experience, four years experience, and they're telling you, well, you know, you really ought to do it this way. My wife was in the school system so long that by the time she got to the end, she saw every kind of way to teach. First, it was like, okay, we're going to break into groups. Okay, we're not going to break into groups. Okay, we're going to sit on the floor. Okay, we're not going to sit on the floor. Okay, we're going to teach in rows. Okay, we're going to do this kind of learning. Okay, we're going to do that kind of learning. And just kept going round and round until you got to the end. And by the time you got to the end, they did it, you know, the same three ways, round and round in a circle. So, again, you know, I just think that hiring from within is the way to do it. And then number two, I want to talk about discipline because, you know, this idea that you take the side of the student over the teacher you know what I mean? Unless the teacher is really, really out to lunch. The teacher says that, you know, the kid did this or the kid did that. You know, you got to give some deference to the teacher. And I can tell you, and I know I'm not speaking out of school because I know a lot of educators. When Pierre Durkin was the superintendent, I don't know how it is now, but when Pierre Durkin was the superintendent, you would have like, say, a five-year-old 
a disturbed five or six-year-old. And the disturbed five or six-year-old, you're going to say, well, how much damage can a disturbed five or six-year-old can do? The answer is a lot, because what can you really do about it? The disturbed five or six-year-old would attack the principal and bite her arms. There would be teeth marks up and down the arms of the principal. And it would be like, what do you want me to do about it? Oh, they just cover it up. They don't want to hear about it. Imagine that. I don't have to go to work and be attacked and have bite marks up and down my arms. Do you have to go to work and have bite marks up and down your arms? Well, then why should we expect the teacher to have bite marks up and down their arms? You know? I mean, if a kid keeps jumping on you, you have all you can do not to smack the kid down. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. I'm not saying you should do that. But that kid should be removed. The teacher shouldn't have to, or the principal shouldn't have to have bite marks up and down their arms. You know, that kid should be removed from the setting and, and, and dealt with another way. And then here's the other thing that happened. You're not going to believe this one. Toward the end of my wife's career, if you had kids in a class, and let's say you had 20 kids, and one kid would go into a tirade every once in a while. You know, a tirade, like tip tables over, pick up books and throw them around. You know what would happen? Instead of having, like, somebody come in and physically remove that kid properly, though, not, you know, beat the kid, but just pick them up by the arms and carry them out, they would take the other 19 kids who were behaving, have them leave the class, go to the auditorium, and let that kid trash the class until that kid was done trashing the class and then deal with it in that fashion. When I heard this, I was laughing, falling off the chair. I couldn't believe it. And I got to tell you, I, I, I grew up in a different era. I'm like, you're kidding me. You've got to be kidding me right now. No, no, we, we let the kid, then, then the teacher would have to go back and then, okay, uh, put all the books back on the, on the shelf. Uh, there were other kids in the class. Say, hey, what happened? My pencil got stolen. My, my mummy went, got, bought me a pencil and the pencil got snapped in half. Well, Jimmy grabbed the pencil and went, I don't care. Snap the pencil in half. Who cares? Nothing's going to happen to me. So what a message. What a bad message that's being sent, right? The kid that's misbehaving should be removed, and the kids who are behaving should be rewarded. And by the way, the kids that are behaving all the time should be rewarded. That's another thing they used to do. They have, like, the adjustment council that would come in. It's like, hey, uh, Jimmy is really behaving really like a whack job today. All right, well, if he behaves for half an hour, give him something. So you give him something. Uh, if he behaves another half an hour, give him something else. So give him something else. Okay, that worked. Except that Bobby, who was behaving the whole time, would say, Hey, what am I getting something? Can you imagine? You've got to be kidding me. That's what I used to say. So I don't know to the extent that the new superintendent can put an end to a lot of this nonsense. I know that was the case under Peter Durek, and I can't imagine that happening under Mike Longo or Dr. Joe Silva or Constantine Monopolis. You know, back in the day, the kid who was misbehaving was held accountable. Not, well, you know, he, uh, he has some mental health issues, and hey, that's all well and good. I'm not diminishing that at all. But to be rewarded in such a fashion that the misbehaving kid could trash the class while everybody else has to go to the auditorium. I mean, what a recipe for disaster that is. So, you know, again, I think that people ought to, people ought to be held accountable for their actions. Good morning. You're next. How, how, how is that? A climate conducive to learning and education. Yeah, ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. I, I don't understand. I, I don't get it. I, I just, I, it, it is like that. I've, I've known a lot of teachers. I, I still, family members, they like their job early in their career, and now they, they 
hate it and cannot wait to get out. They have no authority in the classroom. The students who want to learn can't. Um, but one of the points I wanted to bring up is this is mostly public schools. If you notice, they have less of those issues in parochial or charter or private schools. And there's, there's a reason for that because they're allowed to have some sort of order and discipline. And, and the classrooms are much safer and conducive to learning and the students do much better. Well, that's right. You know, the fact that the private school and even the charter schools can say to a student, okay, you don't follow the rules, you're out of here. But the public school doesn't have that luxury. And so they have to deal with these types of issues. And, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, you can go to New Bedford High School and if you work hard and you study, you can go to Harvard. We have people from New Bedford High School going to Harvard, going to Ivy League schools. There's nothing wrong with the school at all. It's just that if you're a student who misbehaves, you got to be dealt with. That's the way I look at it. In fact, anybody that can leave an urban area and they have the ability to do it economically, they do it more now. You know, my wife said that back in her day when she was teaching at the early part of her career, you saw a lot more people from all over the city staying with New Bedford than leaving. And it's unfair because, again, if you want to go to the New Bedford schools, work hard and end up in Harvard and you want to put the effort in and you have the talent to do so, you can do so. There's nothing wrong with the teachers and nothing wrong with the school itself. Right. Some some of the New Bedford High School uh, classes, the higher classes, the honor classes, the academic classes, uh, those groups of kids can still, I know for a fact, get, uh, you know, a quality education. But they're certainly separated from the, the, the students who are not of that quality. Um, but the quality of student. Um, so... Uh, you know, again, they 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 seem. You know, the government. I'm glad. You know, people are happy with him. He, you know, he came in from, you know, within the system. But his his hands are tied. He's not. You know, they may be more comfortable with him. They know and understand him. He may be a fairer guy, uh, but uh, you know, he's not going to be able to change much. The the state rules. You know, the state laws are the rules governing education in New Bedford. They're not going to be able to deviate from that to the point where it makes a real change. You know, they're, they're too busy. You know, I used to teach academics. Now they teach social issues. They're taking over the parental role. Um, you know, government's starting to be the parent now. Pa parental rights are being, you know, slashed and taken away. So, hey, we'll see. I mean, uh, it doesn't seem to be working, and who knows what kind of changes will be made in the future, but... Uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the kids that want to learn that come from that come from uh, parents who care and have brought their children up to to the point where, you know, they 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 know how to obey rules, although it may be uncomfortable. They know how to have the stamina to hang in there and be quiet or pay attention or you know do what you're supposed to do for a certain amount of time during the day. Um, we'll see. I feel bad for the people who pay taxes to try to get an education and you know and it's being overrun and i just got a call this morning that you know namandan might have got you know 20 students who none of them speak english oh that's another thing uh, i'm going to bring that up because you know my wife they would say like uh hey you know your school uh, had a good mcas uh, this last year so all the teachers would be happy and all that so then they take a 
take a uh, a group of kids who don't speak English from one of the so-called underperforming schools, and by the way, the underperforming school it wasn't really their fault. They shipped them into her school, and they expected the MCAS to come out the same way, even though she had a bunch of kids that didn't yeah. speak English. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding yeah. me right now? You know, I mean, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Hey, thanks a lot for the call. I appreciate it. For the two calls, and don't forget Santos on sports. <laughs> All right, thanks very much. All right, you're listening to Paul Santos filling in for Tim Weisberg here on the morning show on WBSM. We'll be right back. Good morning, Paul Santos filling in for Tim Weisberg. You can join the discussion at 508-996-0500. Let's go to Raymond from Taunton. Good morning. Hi, Raymond. Yeah, we used to have a thing called recess in the public school system from grades uh, one through eight. And oftentimes we'd uh, kick a football around, although we hit a rubber ball with a baseball bat. Oh, we just run around and uh, flip cards. Uh, everybody have cards, heads and tails. Or we bring agates of uh, marbles, and we put a hole in the ground with our heel of our shoe, and we play that. And uh, there's a lot of aggression out that way. So you think we need more cards. recess? I think uh, I think what we got to do is recess is a place where you can make your rookie mistakes growing up in school. While it's kind of a socializing aspect rather than sit down and shut up and uh, stand over here, stand <laughs> over there. Give me that cell phone. Give me that cell phone now. Uh, uh, no, you got to get the kids uh, You got to get the kids out there bumping into each other. Well, wait a minute. So when you were coming up the ranks, you had teachers that said sit down, shut up, and go over there? Yeah. Uh, that was in parochial school. <laughs> and recess in parochial school, they drew a white line like a parking lot line. Girls get on that side, boys get on that side. So everybody stand on either side of the line for 15 minutes. But in public school, we had our most fun. And we went at it, and we had a great time. And I even seen a couple, at one time the teacher got pushed onto the ground and laughed it off because the kids didn't want to go back into school. Wow. <laughs> they wanted to be all day. Well, I heard the that. Thing is, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, the thing is, is that you get to blow off steam. Especially after you have the big sugar breakfast in the morning, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there might be some something to that because I know that a lot of times my understanding is from teaching as teachers, well, from speak, speaking to teachers, Raymond, a lot of people would tell me that, you know, when they went outside to do recess, it would have to be like an organized thing. But, yeah, just letting them run around and, and burn off some steam as long as they're doing it properly, that's one way to do it. Yeah, they do it properly because it's called a natural thing. You know, they, they, you see groups get together. You see some that stay alone. And, and you get to see personalities of people. But the big fun part about it was that you get to run around and you just, uh, you know, if it's a rainy day, maybe they hand out the crayons and you draw a picture of sunshine or something. <laughs> but, uh, but on a regular weather day, you get out there and you, you get together. I kind of, you know, I found myself in a headlock a couple of times at recess, and I learned a lot from it. <laughs> hey, by the way, when they put that line down the middle, boys on one side, girls on the other, what age group are we talking about now? Uh, that was a sacred act uh, school. In no, but it, this is elementary school? Uh, well, pretty much. Six years old to about 12 years old. Okay, all right. All right. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.